mental health is important. Yeah. So one of the things that have been talked about is uh, if if you're not dealing with this properly, then your mental health is going to go downhill. If you're not staying at home and staying healthy, yeah. then your physical health will go downhill. So COVID-19 is not just an external thing. It's, it's also how are we uh, dealing with our environments Mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis that isn't putting us at risk for premature death in other areas, right? Welcome to Shooting the Ish with a Brit, the podcast where David, a white British man, and Jen, a black American woman, shoot the shit. Ish, she means ish, about whatever we want. British dinky deckers. Check. American bonnets. Check. Even mysterious potatoes. Oh, double check. So join us for another episode of Shooting the Ish with a Brit. Hey, David. Hey, friend. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm been good. busy? Been busy? Uh-huh. Been busy? Have I been busy? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, just as busy as everybody else who's quarantined. Right. It's, it's funny, isn't it? It's funny. What about how you, uh, how are you feeling a week later, uh, since your Postmates incident? Are you feeling like a little bit more benevolent towards the lady? Maybe think of bringing her out for air or you just still, she's, she's gone. She's done. I'm keeping her in there. Again, I do not have any proof. Hey, you don't need any explanation. I just, I was just curious if we could, if we could left, uh, you know, change your mind or not. Um, All right. So what have you been uh, focusing on this week aside from your day job? Has anything shifted or like maintaining consistency? Maybe, I don't know. What's, what's the feeling for you? For work? No, outside of work. Because obviously I know you're working, you're quite busy Mm -hmm. um, relatively. um, Just so what, what have you been doing outside of work this week? cleaning up rearranging things um Uh as i told you offline i did my hair which is a big deal because that hardly ever happens and it looks Um, great it looks great yeah thank you um it took a while i mean one of the things about having specifically 4c hair um is that there's a lot of washing that needs to be done like a long period of time like it's not just like a five minute thing in the shower okay Wow. it takes a long time to wash i have to deep condition it that just means putting in a deep conditioner for about 45 minutes for anywhere from 45 minutes to like two hours and then rinsing that out and then i ended up putting my hair in plaits like, this is all new language for you, 4C and plats. <laughs> so then What's I put up, it come in on. plats. Huh? I, I grew up with, with four women. Remember that. Yes, but I would assume that their um, hair, you know, ritual is different from mine. Oh, of course. They're white women. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so plats, I don't assume your sisters have ever put their hair in plats before. Oh, of course. Like the, the girls used to put their hair in plats all the time. Really? I, I, I know how to do a plat, in fact. Oh, that's, that's okay. a true story right there. I know how to do a plat. How about that? I, I didn't know that. Wow. Well, there you go. There you go. Wow. Yeah, this guy so knows yeah, how to plat. I can put it in plats and then uh, sleep in that and then, you know, unplat it. And then it's this big, curly, wavy fro that you saw in my picture right yeah, now. Yeah, it looks great. It looks great. 
Thank you. I like it. It, I I did a pretty good job. So the next time I do it, I think it'll be even better. So this quarantine time has given me a little more confidence to do my own hair and I didn't have to spend any money. So that's kind of nice. Even better. On on the other hand, I've been conditioning my beard. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do to condition your beard? I use hair conditioner, obviously. And I, I, I have the good stuff, the keratin stuff, whatever it is. Um, so, uh, you know, every time I'm in the shower, I do that for five, 10 minutes and, it, and it, like, it's getting bushy now. It's big. It's like the biggest it's ever been, I think. So, and, and let's be honest, we've probably got another month or two of this growth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so I, I need to keep taking care of this and keep it soft. Do you know how to cut your beard if it ever came to that? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I know in the sense that I can definitely trim my beard, you know, whether it would be perfect, eh, doesn't matter. Okay. So we're both learning. Or I guess we're really fine-tuning our, our hair, hair skills. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, my hair's just growing out anyway. I might have, I might have hair like I did at college by the time of this is done. Oh, which, 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 for those that don't know, was down to my shoulders. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but um, it's, we, we got an, uh, uh, an order from the mayor this week that said we shouldn't even be going to the supermarket anymore. Um, wow. for this this coming week and uh which is i i you know no idea what that's based on um but this is a critical week apparently for california and uh yeah they told us to to not go to the store unless absolutely essential so that's interesting um i did i did actually for the first time in all of this have like a moment of feeling lethargic yesterday for like an hour i was like oh god i just feel drained you know and, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel good and i haven't had any of those moments really but i just as soon as i felt it um I found the time I did some yoga and then I meditated and I just felt fantastic again. I just felt really good. Nice. Yeah. And you know what? To piggyback off yoga and exercise, I ended up accomplishing a big goal of mine and you're going to laugh at me and I may (laughs) have expressed something to this extent before. So let me know. Okay. But for the past two, two and a half weeks, I've just been focused on stretching and getting Brilliant. to a point of basic flexibility. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's, for that's me, excellent. baby steps when yep. it comes to exercising. So I've been stretching, you know, reaching my hands over to the sky, you know, and like in my elbow stretches on and my leg stretches. Mm-hmm. And then I was finally able to touch my toes believe it or congratulations. not that, congratulations congratulations that's, that's a big feat for a lot of people huge and t- pun intended obviously yes <laughs> and the first time that i was ever able to touch my toes i want to say it was about actually i think i was 30 years old and i only remember that because there was a life-altering event that was happening at the same time oh, yeah i think uh-huh. it was like six years ago and i had an equinox trainer and i told him i've never been able to touch my toes please stretch me out, you know, to get me to that point. So he did, right? So then as I'm reaching down to touch my toes and I actually touched them, I did it in this communal space at Equinox, you know, where other people are exercising. Uh And so when I touched my toes, I celebrated, my trainer celebrated, he got (laughs) and everything. And there was a guy who was there who saw all of this and he said, congratulations, that's what weight loss will do for you. And so I just looked at him. What the hell? Because I was like, in my head, I've never been fat a day in my life. But, you know, I appreciate (laughs) what what you're saying. No, I don't. That's that's what an asshole. I mean, yeah. I mean, also, 
people so can't rude. just assume because you're small that you're flexible. A lot of times, smaller people are a lot more unhealthy than yeah. bigger people. You know? It doesn't matter so, what size you are. It's like if, if you're not doing your stretches, not working out, that's it. It's irrelevant. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what an asshole. I'm sorry, but that guy should go to apartment 4E. <laughs> he's going to be a bonus addition today to apartment yeah, 4E. Right? Oh, my okay. God. Yeah, that's that's not good. Um, what about have you been have you been drinking at all during this this last few weeks? Alcohol? Yeah. Uh, I did last night. That was the first time in like okay. weeks. Why? That's good. I was just curious because I mean a lot of people in this time like seem to be drinking a lot more, and oh, that for no. me is like the worst possible idea um, to yeah. be doing right now. And I, I I mean I, I've had one beer in the last three to four weeks. I think that's it, and I felt terrible the next day after having it as well. Exactly. No, I really need to keep my body healthy during this time. And I need to start oh, yeah. because I just don't know what's going to happen. To be honest, like I'm a, kind of on a tip of like, what if I need to leave New York, you know, at a moment's mm-hmm. notice. So I can't just mm-hmm. be all, you know, out of my mind. You know, I ended up uh, drinking last night only because I just felt like having a solo dance party, you know, so I turned on Instagram the best you know left it up to dj d nice to do his thing and just dance around the apartment you know love a, it. Little, love it. a little buzz so solo dance parties are one of the best things it's yes so they fun. are yes, so they are. fun i do i do it on a daily basis <laughs> do you absolutely I, I mean i listen to a lot of music so i'm kind of always in the mood for a bit of a dance that's good to know i know um i do uh I, you know, I, lo- I love my whiskey and that's been the hard thing. I, I do debate every, at least every two days of whether to get a nice bottle of whiskey or not, but I know I'll drink it in a few days. So <laughs> I always go against it. <laughs> I have no, no discipline with nice whiskey. Um, but hey, here's one nice thing. Did you hear that uh, there's a couple of pandas in a, in a zoo in Hong Kong? Um, uh, that, I mean, that, that, that sounds like I'm setting you up for a terrible joke. <laughs> okay, wait, we'll do a terrible joke first. Uh, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know. A sunburned panda. No, brother. <laughs> okay. All right. But seriously, uh, th- so this zoo has been trying to get these two pandas to mate naturally for over 10 years, but they never did until now. Uh, the zoo has been shut since January, obviously, no surprise. Um, so, and since then, the pandas have like, been changing certain behaviors, and one of those being that they've begun mating for the first time ever, um, which is pretty amazing. I love that. Well, that's very cool. Do they know why? I mean, I, I guess they just don't like an audience, you know? <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah. You know? Like people knocking on their window every day, just making it feel a bit awkward, right? I don't know. Yeah. So, so hopefully that bit of quiet time away from like spectators and whatnot is just been quite a refresher for them. And I expect a lot of the animals, to be honest, in zoos, especially I thought you Tiger King, which I'm sure you've seen already. Yes, I have. Yeah. So <laughs> I think everyone's a little bit about, you know, I mean, there's always been a negativity about zoos anyway, but uh, that, that certainly stoked the fire. Unless, cool. unless, by the way, you're Donald Trump Jr. And then uh, you, you watch that show and, and your takeaway is that you could buy a tiger for two grand. Right. <laughs> Classic <laughs> Trump move, even in junior style. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's, let's get into it, shall we? Um, what is your favorite thing this week? So I found this cool article on India Today about this UK-based 73-year-old grandfather. Mm -hmm. Um, He has been inspiring people on social media to exercise. Funny we just talked about that, right? Yep. 
So he's been inspiring people to exercise during this time and to just use whatever you have in your house or just use your body um, to get the the blood flowing, the oxygen flowing and to keep you, you know, healthy. So he shared a video of himself skipping rope in the backyard of his home in Middlesex, UK, and it went viral. Um, He posted it on his YouTube page with the caption, Raj Singh, the skipping Singh in isolation, page 73, and wants everyone to get involved as he sets the skipping challenge. Get involved and let's fight COVID-19. God bless you all. So that was my favorite thing about the UK this week. Love it. I love it. Even even his name. Yes, the skipping Singh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well that's very cool and you know uh exercise whenever i speak to anyone it's actually the one one of the things i focus on the most with people and trying to encourage people and give people options and and several people i've spoken to just they just don't know what to do in Mm. all honesty because they've never been in that routine so just giving people the tools um and encouragement it makes such a difference and i've had a couple of people who have started exercising based on that which is which is just fantastic it makes me i'm so glad i'm so glad yeah that's very yeah. cool. Um, right, so, 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 so you're, you're starting your smart. My favorite thing uh, this week is Dolly Parton reading bedtime stories. It's got to be a favorite, right? And, and I wanted to make sure to share this with the listeners, as I expect there'll be several of you and your families and kids, maybe who would interest, be very interested in this. So I wanted to share it. Um, she started last week on Tuesday, April the 9th. Uh, I think it was Tuesday, uh, sorry, uh, it's Tuesday or Thursday, April the 9th, whatever it is. And, and she's reading books from uh, her imagination library, which is, is actually her gift, uh, book gift giving program that sends out free books to kids anyway, which I love that on its own. So that deserves a little highlight there because that's a lovely thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so her, her reading is called uh, Good Night with Dolly, and it's going to stream every week for the next 10 weeks. And, and I think it's one a week. Um, but, but check it out, see what the frequency is. Um, and, and also, just because we're on the Dolly Parton train, if you want some more Dolly action in the meantime, I also highly recommend Dolly Parton's America, which is a podcast about her. Um, and it's so interesting and inspiring, and uh, it focuses a huge amount on the stories behind her songs. Which, so it kind of tells her story mm. through the stories about her songs. And, and wow, like it, it's so interesting and fascinating how she created them all and and what they all mean and who they reference and it's it's really really interesting so i highly recommend that as well very cool that's awesome um dolly Parton yeah. is really oh, and actually uh-huh oh just as a caveat uh she also donated a million dollars to the to the vanderbilt university's coronavirus research fund you know true american gem dolly Parton, right yeah She's really one of those celebrities who will just always be classic. She is yeah. a Coco Chanel suit in the flesh, you know, like she I, uh, yeah. is yeah. always going to be that person, you know, to America. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about her reading these. You said bedtime stories? Bedtime stories for kids. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's called Good Night, Good Night with Dolly. Yeah. So. That's pretty cool. Um, it's really cool yeah it is and um and she's just a wonderful person and and she's just one of the things i really like about dolly Parton in general is that she doesn't take she's never taken herself too seriously obviously she's had tough times in her life and she's grown to that but she's always been able to laugh at herself um and even before other people can which is uh which is a talent in itself Mm -hmm. i think 
So, all right, that's that's so that's my favourite thing this week about the US is Dolly Parton in a in a nutshell, I guess, and her recent endeavours. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the thing I learned this week um, was it's it's from a study by a guy called David Novak, Nowak, who is a senior US Forest Service scientist. Um, the study explains that US cities are losing about thirty six million trees a year. Um, now I'll start by saying that this happens for several reasons, like, uh, natural disasters, like hurricanes and tornadoes and fires and even insects and disease. Um, but there's obviously one area, which I'm sure you can guess, um, that, that humans cause tree loss and that's, uh, development, right? Parking lots, roads, offices, list goes on, whatever it might be. Um, and whilst these things, these are things that we need, and I'm putting that in air quotes for the listeners, uh, to happen, um, I mean, they can certainly down in a bit more of a conservational way sometimes. Not every time, of course, I understand that, like, that's, you know, um, but the knowledge is important for several reasons. And I'm sure you could work out most, but I figured I'd share the 10 key benefits of trees. So, to, you know, I wanted to share that with that mentality of getting it into people's minds, because there is a little bit that a lot of people could do um, to support the, the ecosystem of trees, in, especially in, in cities and urban landscapes. Um, okay, so just oh, uh, any questions about that before I move into the points? No. Okay. Um, so, so the f- first one, obviously, is air pollution reduction. They absorb all the carbon and remove pollutants from the atmosphere. And by the way, the lost amount of value of losing these trees and having to do it manually or through processing or whatever um, is, is about $96 million a year for not having enough trees, which is amazing in itself, right? Um, so uh, second one is heat reduction, providing shelter. They also take in a lot of water and evaporate water, which cools the air. Uh, number three, energy emissions reduction. Again, through the shading element, they, th- they, they reckon the, the figure they had in the study um, say that trees reduced energy costs by about $4 billion a year. Uh, without the trees, obviously the aircon is going to go and get pumped, especially in the summer. So you can understand the benefits there right away. Water quality improvement is number four. Um, the trees are water filters. Number five is flooding reduction. Again, for the same reason, they soak up the water and they reduce runoff. Six is noise reduction. Simply put, they deflect sound. One of the reasons they actually line highways, which I'm sure you've noticed many times over the years. Um, number seven is uh, protection from UV radiation. They, they explain that trees absorb about 96% of ultraviolet radiation, which is really, you know, considering how uh, damaging the sun can be already, is quite an interesting statistic. And, you know, to lose that is quite a scary thing. Um, they obviously make things look nicer as a number eight. They, they improved aesthetics. You know, they're just beautiful. Um, number nine is improved human health. So again, in the same vein, but having trees around literally makes people feel better. Uh, there's, there's, I mean, there's many studies about this separately in a different world, but a lot of uh, scientists have found connections between exposure to nature and a better mental and physical health. And by the way, that's also one of the reasons I walk so much is to be in nature and to enjoy that, the, the beauty of that and take it all in. So I can confirm it is uh, a definite benefit of trees. Um, and then the last one um, would be wildlife. You know, obviously less trees, less wildlife and that sucks. Um, okay. So, yeah. so, so all, all that being said and all these positive points, what does it mean for us? Well, for you and I, not so much because we both live in crazy expensive cities and apartments on like several floors high. <laughs> so there's not much we can do because uh, you don't have a home or a garden. But for those that do, 
you can simply look after your trees you have, like prune the dead limbs, which will also, by the way, make the tree much safer during a storm, obviously. You know, don't cut down old trees. Like they've taken decades, potentially hundreds of years to get that big. Like maybe trim the bark branches, make it more aesthetically pleasing for you. But to get rid of it, if you can avoid it, don't do it, you know. Um, and obviously plant new trees if you can in your property. If you have that ability in that space, plant some trees. Mm-hmm. So, so that's it so i learned about trees this week which which i loved um and i can't wait to be in a position where i can have a place where a, with a great tree or two in the garden wouldn't that be cool which of those bullet points didn't you know um i, I guess it's not necessarily that i didn't know because i, I probably hadn't associated or thought about it before mm-hmm. right but actually the one the one probably of all of them that i, I didn't know was the um protection from the uv radiation mm-hmm. the fact they take mm-hmm. so much of that is i didn't know that actually at all you know um yeah. yeah and obviously i knew they soak up a lot of water but the benefits of that again i hadn't really thought about the you know the next stage of that and, and how that's good for us um so that was mm-hmm. another thing i learned there yeah i think that plants in general are really good for us to have even though you and i don't live in homes and we don't have properties per se yeah. um it's important for us to have some kind of vegetation in our homes because it's important for our lungs. It's important for our mental states. It's really yeah. important even for our emotional health. Somebody that, you know, is really close to me who just recently beat cancer, um, she, in a very forward-thinking manner, was like, you know what, I need some plants in my home. Okay. So she ended up buying all these plants. I ended up buying her some as well. And they really aided in her um, beating cancer. She even went to a conservatory as well. And, you know, every weekend she would go to get that oxygen from the trees because, you know, cancer really hates oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I hope that, again, people who might That's... not have traditional properties mm-hmm. that have, like you said, you know, lawns or trees per se, you can get those benefits by, you know, walking outside or going to a conservatory or bringing plants in your home. That establishes a relationship between you and, you know, vegetation. Um, so I appreciate that list a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a fantastic. reminder yeah. um, about how interconnected we as people are to you know trees and, and plants and vegetation just, just, so. just the world helpful. in general mother nature absolutely you know it's 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 the gift that keeps us living if, if mother nature wasn't here we wouldn't be here yeah we, survive from it. we actually like cannot that. survive without trees nope, nope um at least not for thousands of years anyway maybe at some point um uh but, and that's actually one of the reasons by the way to i last year for your birthday i think i bought you two plants didn't i you did <laughs> that's funny mm-hmm. you say that because i have not been taking care of those things okay so, <laughs> but it's not like i've consciously not been taking care of them i just don't think they like me because i have a plant in my kitchen that is thriving thriving and i hardly you know water it but maybe that's why it's thriving you know you know how it is some plants actually don't need that much water exactly yeah they don't need it yeah i still have the plants that you gave me it's just that they don't look like plants like it's the dirt and the seeds are in it because the the actual you know plant they died or whatever um 
but they're not dead if you get my drift so i have them i need to actually revisit them um where the hell are they or are they at the office still they're at the office yeah i think think they're at the office yeah so they're they're doomed they're doomed they're gone no they're not because the dirt is like they're not dead for real the seeds are (laughs) we'll see we'll see when you know in a a couple of months when you get back there (laughs) okay Uh, all right so it's it's time for our guest now and oh no it's not it's not Mm -mm. why not because i have to tell you why oh my gosh i'm so sorry jen how rude of me it's okay Oh no, please, why don't you tell me what you learned this week? (laughs) So I learned that COVID-19 is taking a really big toll on my community. Yes, I also saw that. It's funny because I was wondering if you were gonna pull that out and I'm glad you did. Yeah, I was wondering if you were gonna pull that out too because if Mm -hmm. you were, then I had something else just in case. Oh, hello. Um, a really big topic, and I'm glad that it has been. Yeah. And I have to admit that I did not take this very seriously because mm-hmm. I didn't have any data when it came to my own community. Now, that might sound selfish, okay? But there is a certain um, home nearness that makes me care, a l- or not care a little bit more, but it makes me take it more seriously, to be honest, if it kind of hits my collective or my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not having those statistics, I was like, well, it's not really hitting me, so, you know, bleh, you know? Yep. So now that I have these stats, particularly in Chicago, which is my home, yeah. where uh, most of my immediate family is, according to WBEZ, which is Chicago's NPR news source, the headline on April 5th was, in Chicago, 70% of COVID-19 deaths are Black, meaning people of African um, descent. Uh, scary. Um, yeah. And scary. then New York Times, you know, piggybacked off of this as well with an article with the headline, Black Americans face alarming rates of coronavirus infection in some states. However, the data on race and corona is too limited to draw sweeping conclusions, but Mm -hmm. disparate rates of sickness and death have emerged in some places. So I've been watching uh, the the Trump daily briefings and um, my Governor Cuomo's briefings. Again, I'm a New York resident now. I vote here. So Governor Cuomo is my governor. And both of them have talked about looking into the reasons why um, it's hitting communities of African descent really hard. Mm -hmm. Trump asked the question from a very ignorant place um, because the data is there and not just Mm -hmm. specifically to COVID. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about years and years and years of healthcare disparities when it comes to communities of african descent so this yeah, is not nothing we, new no it's not so, we've, we've in fact talked about it before on the podcast actually right enough. so yeah. for him to be like we got to find out why and i don't like yeah. it and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. i mean you you know why or you have access to people who know why again being a president doesn't mean that you have to know everything but you have people around you who can provide you with that information so for him to show up unprepared to give even a history of healthcare disparities. I know. It wasn't surprising to me, but it was was just ignorant. So Governor Cuomo today um, gave a little bit of um, facts, you know, in terms of healthcare disparities um, when it comes to communities of African descent. 
Um, so anyway, that's what I learned, um, that COVID-19 is disproportionately uh, killing. Uh, racist. My it's racist. No, not that it's, it's racist. Not, I'm, I'm just kidding. Come on. Right. But, um, you know, when it comes to this, it's important for us to focus on not just, you know, this community being disproportionately affected, but the why is important. And unfortunately, yeah. I have to run down a list of why, even though it is old news. Yeah, no, please do, though, because it's, it's, it's old news that, that, that should go back in the cycle, always. It's, right. It should always be a conversation until it isn't a conversation. Right. So I'm going to read this stat from WEBZ, which is, and this is a Chicago stat, okay? So as of Saturday, this past Saturday, 107 of Cook County's 183 deaths from COVID-19 were Black. In Chicago, 61 of the 86 recorded deaths, or 70%, were Black residents. Blacks make up 29% of Chicago's population. The majority of the Black COVID-19 patients who died had underlying health conditions, including respiratory problems and diabetes. 81% of them had hypertension or high blood pressure, diabetes, or both. So yes, underlying conditions is a reason, but then you have to think about the treatment. Um, just in general, when people of you know, African descent go into hospitals, their mm, care is poor. A lot of times doctors don't believe um, patients of African descent when they say that they're having, yep. you know, certain troubles. Yep. So that's, it's that's, not that's just definitely, underlying, yeah. would you say? Yep. I said that's definitely something you and I have spoken about before and it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's, it was concerning to me then and obviously even more so in this situation. It's just horrific to think yeah. about. I've had um, a personal situation where somebody that I loved was not being believed in the hospital. Wow. Um, and I had to intervene on her behalf because she was in extreme pain. Uh, the doctor would not allow her to get a certain medication that she needed. And I had to say to him, you are not listening to her. She's a black woman. And we all know the stats on hospitals not listening to black women. Uh -huh. that's when he got it together. I'm sure he, he did. What she needed. So when it comes to COVID-19, you know, I am, I'm really taking it more seriously. You know, every day that goes by, I'm just like, oh my, boo, mm -hmm. it was crazy. Um, so yeah, that's what I learned. Okay, that's that's uh, yeah, it's 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 a concerning thing. I said I saw it as well, and it was just like it's uh, it's. I mean, and the thing is, we probably won't know for a while. You know, we won't know the reason for a long time. What do you is, mean? Well, I mean, to, for them to they're, they're trying to work out how to fix this virus, let alone why it affects certain people in different ways, right? So we won't necessarily find the answer as to why it's disproportionately um, uh, negative for for people of African descent. Um, we just won't know for a while, which is unfortunate. Well, we, well, they do know. They know that it's because of underlying conditions and the fact that they're not being, you know, treated per se. They're being treated, but they're not being treated in a more serious manner. So they know, but then so what wait, do you do about it? That, that's interesting. So, I, I mean, underlying health issues is something that we know about everyone, though. But, but um, so are you saying that there's more um, people of African descent with underlying health issues? 
No. What I'm saying is that when it comes to testing, the testing isn't being done as much in those communities, which is also leading to a higher percentage of deaths in those communities. Right. Okay. So they're not catching it early enough so that I see what you're saying. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's scary. And so if that's the reason, then that's horrifically terrible. Yeah. That's Well, they know. Um, And then, you know, during this time, you know, Governor Cuomo, President Trump, other leaders have to also realize the part that they've played in this happening yeah. you know, to these communities. Healthcare has yeah. always been a mess in this country. Yeah. The treatment <laughs> of, you know, patients of African descent has always been a mess in this country. So when you have a pandemic like this, it makes sense, now that I'm really thinking about it, that um, my community would be disproportionately affected. Um, so it's all coming down to policy, you know. Mm-hmm. As it all, and unfortunately, it always is. And and uh, and and sad news today that um, Bernie has ended his presidential race, mm-hmm. um, which is a blow for a lot of people. I think. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, look, we'll we'll remain optimistic and hope that that even this knowledge like kicks them up the ass a bit, and they just and just gets them to be more aware of this and focus on it and not be, be essentially being racist. You know, that's, that's, I hope thing. so, but I'm now a little worried about how the statistics will affect, mm-hmm. um, how they move forward with the pandemic, the cynicism in me, which isn't like a lot, but when it comes to things like this in my community, my cynicism mm-hmm. is on high. So I, I'm concerned that if the percentages in um, the death rates for communities of African descent continue to be this high, then, you know, people like Governor Cuomo, President Trump, other leaders might actually not take it as seriously. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's, that's, and that's worrying because it could quite well be true. And because that man is a terrible, terrible human being. Um, Okay. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting, but scary. And, and I guess uh, we just got to try and remain optimistic that it improves mm-hmm. as best as possible. Okay. Um, well, look, it's, it's time for our guests now. Um, and, and you're about to hear this again, but I just wanted to highlight. So we have Dr. Ricky Brathwaite here today, who is the CEO of the Bermuda Health Council. Um, and the reason I just wanted to say it again now is that when we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, Bermuda still only had about 32 confirmed cases of coronavirus. And since then, uh, they're only on about 40 at the moment. So they haven't in- increased greatly, which is a fantastic thing. And hopefully what they're doing there is has stifled it and, and they're not going to be hit as badly. But I just wanted to preface by saying that um, as a comparative tool as we go into the conversation. All right. Welcome to our guest segment. Um, we're very excited to have someone who is a really good friend of mine who I've known for years and who has been, I guess, thrown into um, a really unprecedented time in healthcare. And with his expertise, we're just so excited to have him here um, and to get his perspective on how he's he's leading the charge. Um, Dr. Ricky Brathwaite is the CEO of the Bermuda Health Council in Bermuda, a British island territory in the North Atlantic Ocean. The council is a regulatory force that ensures the healthcare quality and sustainability of its Bermudians. Basically, they're responsible for overseeing the healthcare system in Bermuda. 
Dr. Brathwaite received his bachelor's from the University of Maryland at College Park, two masters from the Georgia Institute of Technology, a PhD in health economics from Johns Hopkins University, and he has 15 years of experience in engineering, healthcare research, and analytics. Welcome, Ricky. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome, I am Dr. Ricky. Uh, I appreciate the invite and I'm super excited to have this conversation. I know that this is an interesting time, not only in healthcare, but just in life. And so just having these kind of conversations are important. Uh, uh, hey, Dr. Ricky, this is David. Thank you, thank you so much for, for joining us. And, and honestly, I'm always uh, excited to talk to you in general because it's, it's going to be really interesting to get a perspective from someone who isn't in one of our, you know, the dominant countries right now with the USA and the UK. Um, we're obviously in a bit of trouble and, and being an island nation, I'm very curious to hear about your experience and especially from a brain such as yours, which has clearly had quite the journey to get where you are right now. So, so thank you for joining us. Not a problem. Yeah. Um, so, so tell me, where are you originally from and, and how did you end up in Bermuda? So I'm originally from the Washington DC area. Okay. Um, I grew up in a West Indian or Caribbean household and there was an opportunity that came forth to uh, work in Bermuda doing health economics and I jumped on it because I thought it would be a good connection to my background and a good foray into um, what it's like to kind of run a health system in from a country approach. Um, I've always seen kind of slivers of healthcare uh, working in the U.S. but it's different when you get to see every part of the system working together or yeah. Yeah. get to see the dysfunctionality of systems from kind of a big picture standpoint. From the bird's eye view, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, I guess. So what, so what were you doing when you were working in the U.S. in particular? Uh, yeah, so I was working with the, the U.S. government on a lot of consulting type jobs okay. working here. Um, but this was before a lot of these public health kind of crises came into to effect. So we were working a lot on improving health technologies, improving um, quality of care, those kind of things. Um, but this is a different landscape. So it's been interesting to, to, to be on this journey, um, but this is unprecedented in terms of kind of the way that we're seeing the world. And um, I don't think anyone's experience has really prepared them for what we're going through right now. I completely agree. And also as a species, the world as a species of humans, we've never been through this collectively before something on this scale where, where pretty much the entire world is directly affected. And that's, I and mean, that's however negative that is and however much damage and, and uh, just bad that brings. There's also a lot of positives that will come out of it and a lot of innovation. And I'm sure, especially in your field, there'll be a lot that, that will come out of it. Yeah. I, well, I hope so. I actually had this conversation with someone today and they said, people are just actually just trying to get through this. Because my point to them was, this is a great opportunity to learn something. And when we come out of this, we're going to be improved and so forth. And there's, they said, whoa, whoa, just hold on. We're just trying to get through this. And there's no opportunity right now in the present moment to actually look into what is the light at the end of the tunnel. Interesting. Okay. And I can, I can imagine that for a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think I can understand that because how is it that you can prepare for a global pandemic in this way? 
you know, so I totally understand where, I assume it was a colleague you were talking to, um, your colleague saying, you know, we're just trying to get through this, you know, because if you guys were prepared, right, and you sort of have maybe had scenarios where, you know, global pandemic was a thing, and then you guys had enough reserves or supplies or, you know, whatever it was that you needed, but you're sort of playing catch up, right? Um, So considering all this, you've been the CEO of the Bermuda Health Council for two seconds, okay? (laughs) Like, you've been (laughs) the CEO since January. First of all, do you have any regrets, okay, at all, Uh, considering that you're now in this unprecedented uh, time? And could you tell us a little bit about the history of the Bermuda Health Council? Yeah, so uh, first of all, I have no regrets. I love my job. I love the work that I do. Good. Um, so, you know, I've been with the Bermuda Health Council for almost six years now. Um, sat in the interim um, CEO role since January 2000, or actually December 2018. So it's been a, a quite of a period just being in the hot seat. Uh, Bermuda Health Council was established because there was a lot of dysfunctionality within the health system. There needed to be a single voice who can kind of coordinate the different disparate pieces of the healthcare system, bring everything to the table, help to facilitate change and improvements. And so the Bermuda Health Council was, was in essence, put together as the hub um, within the wheel. Um, so we connect all the spokes, including the physicians, allied health professionals, the hospitals, the practices, provider practices. We look at regulation. So since 2004, legislation was put into place for us to exist. And since 2006, when we actually came into being, we've been kind of serving as a conscience of Bermuda's healthcare system, which has been pretty interesting because, you know, systems change over time. And so you have to be flexible with with how you run your business. And we've, we've seen a lot of changes, not only in the local healthcare system, but you know, globally. Uh, so it's been an exciting ride for this company. Got it. What's been the most effective change um, that you've been a part of, you know, that the Bermuda Council uh, has, you know, given to its people? Wow, I mean, that's, that's, that's an interesting question. I mean, as a health economist the, by trade, the most kind of thing that comes to my mind is how much money that we've been spending on healthcare in Bermuda. Mm. So outside of, the United States, we spend about, well, we, if you compare it to the other larger country, we spend the second largest amount of money per person on healthcare outside wow. of the U.S., right? So we are spending a lot of money. And one of the things that we've been trying to put into play is to, you know, create different interventions on how to, at least if we're going to spend a lot of money, get value for the money that we spend. Mm-hmm. Yep. So a lot of the work that I've been working on and I've been leading the team to do is, you know, how do you get more value? Um, but, but those are kind of the technical things. I, I actually think, to be perfectly honest, one of the cooler things that we did more recently was a campaign around giving people free fruit on Fridays. And we called it Fresh Food Fridays. And we gave people fruit, uh, fresh fruit and vegetable first thing in the morning. And part of it was just to see their smiles on their faces. And that's the, that's the joy that you get from work when you feel like you've impacted someone directly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been, you know, even though it's a small gesture, it's been one of those eye-opening experiences that you're like, okay, well, I've been put in, put in a position to do something good and I can see the fruits 
pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, to add to that, and to Jen's original question of, do you have any regrets about this? Um, it's, it's one actually parallel, which I would say uh, probably is within the medical industry and the same with the production, film production industry that, that we work in, particularly in production and set life, is to, to be successful in it and to have a long career, you have to be passionate. So it's, it's no surprise to me that you say how much you love your job because I'm sure as hard as it gets, you're still getting the fulfillment that you've always desired, which is to, as you just said, see those smiles on people's faces and help people. And that's a wonderful and very noble thing. So you should be very proud of that. I appreciate that. I mean, there, there's been times when I've cussed people out. Well, I've used veggie cuss words, but I've gotten really upset at people. Right. And then there's been times when I've sat in meetings and I've gotten so passionate that tears, you know, come to eyes. Right. So it's, yeah, it's that kind of passion. And I'm sure, in the, you know, when you're looking at from a entertainment film industry standpoint, you know, getting yourself involved in the business and really becoming part of your job. Yeah. Is, yeah. is the best thing that you can do. Yeah, absolutely. And find something you love to do and do it for the rest of your life. That's it. Right. Right. Um, and so, okay, so look, we'll go back to COVID-19 a little bit. And I think Bermuda only has about 30 or so cases right now. Um, but obviously, we, we see how quickly that grows. How is the, the council and, and I guess the country um, preparing to fight COVID-19? Are, are you going to kind of reflect um, other countries and what they're doing? And, and hopefully you'll look at you know, the, the better countries as opposed to the worst countries like the US right now. Well, so, so the interesting thing about a country like Bermuda is that we are driven so much by what's going on in the media. Yeah. The media these days, and I don't think it's just in Bermuda, but the media is, is kind of uh, powered by the U.S. media. Yeah. And what happens on CNN and so forth. So we are seeing day by day exactly what's happening in the U.S. We are yep. trying to learn from their experience. Um, of course, places like uh, North, you know, uh, I believe it was South Korea, um, mm -hmm. you know, they, their cases of deaths are, are a lot lower compared to the U.S. Um, we've seen some of those kind of strategies. So what, what we're doing right now is reminiscent from reminiscent of what every other country is doing. We're trying to social distance. We're doing the 14 day quarantine if you went traveling, um, but traveling is no longer existent now. So um, what we're doing is is just trying to stay at home as much as possible, having people work from home. Okay. But that 32 isn't a insignificant number. So our population is right around 64,000. And if you were to take that 32 people, which is since we started testing locally about a week and a half ago, um, that 32 has crept up, up on us really fast. So we went from two after the first two days to 32 after maybe this is probably the seventh or eighth press press conference that we've had. So, okay, our numbers have exponentially grown. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. I think it's five today. Five new cases today. Yeah, five new cases. Yeah. The, the, the interesting thing is they've all, for the most part, they've come off of you know British American flights, right? Okay. So that that's been interesting. Yeah. Um, that also says that everyone else who's been on those flights we don't really have a sense of how many people actually are carrying COVID. Yeah, COVID. of course. And, and, you, and you have access to testing? Yeah, so we have local testing. Um, we do real-time uh, PCR testing in our lab locally. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. 
Um, and just to go back to something you did say at the beginning of that question, you had mentioned uh, South Korea and, and you know, and the American, uh, the, the death rate in those countries. And as a general, and this is a very general question, but there's obviously a lot more deaths in the US than there was in South Korea. And, right. and do you think that's just partly because as a nation, the US is significantly more unhealthy than somewhere like South Korea? So I, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, so I don't, I don't know the stats on South Korea and underlying conditions, mm -hmm. but if that is a predictor of death, then Bermuda's in a, in a very scary situation because our okay. underlying conditions are, are burdensome, right? So we have, you're leading like the world in diabetes. We have large yeah. numbers of cases of, you know, stroke and, amputations wow. and we're an aging population so it's it's um it's going to be interesting okay wow and do you guys take any directive from the uk um regarding fighting COVID 19 since you know bermuda is a territory of theirs i wouldn't call it directive um we we do rely on some guidance from public health england um but you know with the uk territories it's really hands-off for the most part um, they rely on the territories to kind of run their own business uh, and do their own kind of protocols. But I'm sure there's, there's reporting back to the UK on yep. what's going on, but they don't meddle too much in kind of local affairs. Do they, do they support you in any way though, financially or with medical equipment and so forth? So, and maybe this is one of those things that uh, maybe not be the most political, but I, from what I understand, there has been some promises made in terms of supplies that haven't come through. Interesting. Um, okay. Got but, it. But then Thank again, it's a, as I said, it's an it's a extraordinary cir circumstance. So supplies and procurement of supplies isn't easy for anyone. No, 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 no. Yeah, as we're seeing, even with America. Yeah. And for me, it's so interesting how we've, you know, when I say we, I mean Americans. And you are an American. You just, you know, live in Bermuda and you're doing amazing work. But no, I'm, I'm Bermudian now. <laughs> are you Bermudian? <laughs> hey. Um, I just find it so interesting that we've called ourselves a first world country. And so when it comes to a situation like this, we're scrambling for healthcare supplies so that our citizens do not die. So I just find that very fascinating to watch. And it's not even like, you know, I feel like the numbers in New York, and forgive me because I don't have the, the exact figures, but the disparity between the people here in New York who need ventilators versus what's offered is just staggering. It's staggeringly, um, there's just such a, a staggering difference. Um, what are your thoughts regarding that? Like, are you having any sort of reflections on what it means to be first world versus third world or, or any sort of, you know? Just to add to that before you answer, Jen, you said scrambling, but in actual fact, the states here are literally fighting for these, these, yeah, these bits of medical point. equipment. Yeah. It's not scrambling, it's yeah. fighting over it and outbidding each other, which is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been following some of that. I mean, to, to think that there's going to be tens of thousands of people who are going to be in the health system in New York and not be able to have the care that they need because the supplies aren't there is horrible, horrible to think. Mm -hmm. And those are the projections. 
you know, Bermuda is in an isolated, and we feel a little isolated, so we're not as connected to some of, some of that, but we're just as dependent on everywhere else to send us supplies. So we're not manufacturing supplies ourselves. So if the U.S. says tomorrow, yeah, we're not going to give you ventilators because we have to use it for ourselves, or whatever country says yeah. you can't have any ventilators, then we're out of luck, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's 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 nice to feel as though you don't have to deal with the same parameters as uh, New York in the same regard, but at the same time, our troubles are just different. Yeah, I can yeah, of course. Um, and so, and information about the virus in general um, and how the virus behaves is is a constantly moving target, and and they're still investigating it. Um, right. But as a general citizen these days, with the way that the internet is and social media is, sometimes it's hard to find your way to the truth. You know, for, for example, is there any credence to it being able to, to, to live well in warm climates such as Bermuda, or will that help the, 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 the situation? Now, what, do you have like, basically, what's the best way for people to arm themselves with the truth? What would you recommend? So one is to go to the World Health Organization website mm-hmm. and the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. Those yeah. are the kind of the main websites. Yeah, We're doing the same kind of misinformation. You know, there was a, a WhatsApp post that went around today around CNBC saying that it was uh, that the world has found that it's now airborne and it could last in the air for eight hours. And if you're in air conditioning, it could last in a building, a whole building. So those are kind of things that are stroking fear. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to fight against uh, uh, information age when information is so readily available to everyone yeah. and you just don't know what to trust. So our government has been really focused on saying that, you know, the only trusted information is going to be found on the government's website or you can go to one of these reputable sites and go to directly for that. But there's, for some reason, it feels like trolls come out when there's something serious going on just for the sake of garnering attention or kind of panic. Yep. It's, it's, it's amazing how uh, people get control of people's emotions in these kind of situations. And I'm actually, I'm not an anxious person in, in general, but I'm actually a little anxious because tomorrow is April Fool's Day. And I'm really curious how the world is going to to deal with April Fool's Day in such a horrific time and, and what kind of jokes will come out of the world, actually. Yeah, I mean, the world is an insensitive place. Yeah, yeah. And the internet even more so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's funny you say that, David, because I really feel like people are going to joke a lot tomorrow. I, I mean, mean, I hope so. I yeah, hope so. you know, if you're not an essential employee like us, <laughs> uh, David, not you, Ricky, um, Dr. Ricky, but um, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's probably going to be April Fool's times a thousand tomorrow. And even, you know, outside of April Fool's, as we've talked about, I feel like a lot of people have found humor to help them during this time. Well, it's um, essential. Essential. It, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, so yeah, I mean, we'll as, you know, as much as, uh, you know, professionals and citizens have to deal with this crisis, if you can uh, keep a positive mentality and keep a smiling face as any opportunity you can, you absolutely should. And, and no one should feel guilty for that at all. No, you're right. Mental health is important. Yeah. So one of the things that have been talked about is uh, if, if you're not dealing with this properly, then your mental health is going to go downhill. If you're not staying at home and staying healthy, 
yeah. then your physical health will go downhill. So COVID-19 is not just an external thing. It's, it's also how are we uh, dealing with our environments Mm-hmm. On a day to day basis, that isn't putting us at risk for premature death in other areas, right? Wow. So this yeah. is this well is big, and, and then the the economy, right? I don't know what it's like in New York right now, but we're bracing for a a a struggle when it comes to this summer because a lot of our money is based on international business and travel and tourism, mm-hmm. and there are no planes coming in. The hotels are ninety seven percent empty. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a tough time. So if you think about it, if COVID's not the one that's getting you, poverty will. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Poverty has long-lasting effects, and so it's COVID's a. It's a. This is as as you said at the beginning. This is unlike anything that we've seen before. And I don't know whether you know the older generation experienced this kind of thing in their own right. Um, but for this generation, it seems like this is beyond what anyone's kind of experienced before. It is. And it's a time where you really discover who you are and, and who the world is and the people around you. Because, you, as you, you know, to go back to what you're saying, you either step up here or you step back. And, and hopefully you, people step up. Yeah. For the right reasons. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And then I want to kind of go back to, um, you know, what you said regarding you know, the best way for people to arm themselves with the truth, you know, by going to World Health Organization site and the CDC, which I totally agree with. Um, However, (laughs) it would also be nice if we here in America could get the truth from President Trump, right? But we can't because he just seems to lie and just handle information in such an irresponsible way. So, with all of these little nuggets that people have received, you know, via random voicemails from somebody's cousin who works at the CDC saying, hey, this is what you need to fight COVID-19, this is a really difficult time to listen to people who have agency, but they haven't really proved themselves, you know, to to tell the truth. So in Bermuda, are you finding that people are listening to you know, authorities like you or other people in order to stay safe? Or are people having, you know, a difficult time with that? No, so, I mean, in a time of crisis, at least here in Bermuda, one of the things that they people do look for is leadership. And so there have been uh, people who have stepped up. It's, it's just easier to, control, to, easier to control in a small jurisdiction yeah. kind of where, where the attention is focused. The, the U.S. and President Trump First, you have to under, you have to think about what is the end goal. Is it about the economy or is it about public health, mm-hmm. right? And that's right, you don't know because he right. he could be focused on the economy, which he has the right to do. Um, but no one's going to come out and say, "Yeah, it, this is about the money and not about people's lives." Right, right. right. I mean, and, somebody did kind of in a way. Um, and I don't know exactly who it was, but it was somebody with agency. Uh, he was on CNN, older white gentleman who was like, basically, we older people, we're going to be fine if people go back to work. And so people took that, you know, as an implication <laughs> that uh, if people went back to work and older people died, then this particular man with agency would be okay with it. So I think that 
a lot of the language that President Trump has used by saying, hey, we want people to get back to work by Easter, right? Or having these uninformed timelines um, definitely makes it seem like he's, you know, more focused on the economy than public health. So the irony, of course, being that with that focus, it, like either way at this point, the economy is going to suffer in a great way. Right. And that's inevitable. And, and the fact he's dealt with it in this way and, and led with the economy at the forefront of his mind is so stupid. I'm sorry. It's just stupid. Like it's going to be damaged, whatever the case. Why not try and save lives and also speed up that process of bringing the economy back online? It's, it's such an interesting thing to watch. I mean, so remember, not everyone's as... Not, not everyone is equally important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so that that is right. a that is a the a real uh, that is one of the sobering realities of life. Not everyone in a country is equally important <laughs> to yeah. sustainability of a country. Yeah. Right. So right. when we talk about the economy, we say the economy may not do well. That doesn't mean that businesses may not do well. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, uh, this has been just so fascinating and, and interesting to to learn about what you do and and uh, Bermuda in general. But so, is there anything else you would like to add on a personal or professional level for our listeners, whether it's COVID related or just general life related? Um, and maybe even you can tell us a little bit about Bermuda in general um, for the listeners, just because I'm sure a lot of them don't know too much about it. Um, yeah. So let me yeah. let me talk about Bermuda and. Yeah maybe give the life lessons at the same time. So Please. in a small community, what you, what you do is you rub shoulders with a lot of people and you get to know people on a semi-personal level, um, but you get to see people's experience on a day-to-day basis because you see them so often. You see people walking to the grocery store, you see them in their workplace, you see them with their families. So there's a certain perspective about the human race that you get to see in a smaller environment that you don't get to see in the passing streets of a New York City or a London or a Los Angeles. So this opportunity here, and I think the death of Kobe Bryant brought some of this to the forefront this year. And this kind of COVID situation is, is bringing us to a whole new kind of reality of this is less about, this is less about the infrastructure and less about the money. This is about the families and the people, right? The human race has to have a, a point in time where they have to look each other in the eye and say, this is about us. This is yeah. about human beings as, as just people. Um, forget about how much money you make, you know, forget yeah. about um, what the size of your house or the, the, the speed of your car. You know, one of the things that Island Life does bring you back to is just this whole idea of, you know, person to person and, and character and, those kind of things that are probably more fundamental to the human spirit than, you know, riches and wealth, right? So, um, you know, Bermuda is a a small piece in the Atlantic, but it is a reminder day to day when I wake up and I get to see what's going on and the beauty of the place is that there's there's more to life than just uh, a job. Um, This is really about building community and, and building a future for the next generation that's that's wonderful okay well thank you um anything else to add before we go into the the games jen nope okay so for these games (laughs) all right well i mean they're they're pretty simple but they're they're pretty fun the first one is just a preference and the second as you know is a 
is a choice one. You've got to have a little guess. So the, the first one is Yankee Limey Likey, which, as you know, you've got to choose your preference between the US or the UK. And my question to you is, do you prefer, I mean, obviously you've made a choice to you know, answer to this, but do you prefer living in a US governed country or living in a UK governed country? I.e. the USA versus Bermuda, essentially. Well, so... <laughs> hey, that's not... <laughs> okay, so I, 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 I appreciate, I now appreciate the governing style of parliament and the legislature in a UK territory, mm -hmm. uh, but I am more familiar and I probably appreciate more of, of the US, even though I, I like uh, Bermuda a lot. So how about that? I played both sides of the game. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that could be, that couldn't be more of a diplomatic answer if yes. ever there was one. <laughs> Which is fine. We'll give you that one. Yeah. Um, and then this next one is called Brooklyn or Brentwood Bread. Okay. So you're going to listen to the story by somebody who in one of our, in one of our neighborhoods, either Brentwood or Brooklyn, um, wrote a post to her fellow neighbors on the Nextdoor app. And it's your job to figure out whether this, was written in Brentwood or Brooklyn. You ready? This is this should be easy. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people get these wrong. You'd be surprised. Yeah, a lot they of do. Get these wrong. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the name of the post is "Please disable your car alarm." Please, I am begging here. No one is outside. Everyone has a ring doorbell by now. Cabin fever plus endless car alarms equals extremely unhappy neighbors. Please disable your car alarm. Brooklyn or Brentwood? Brentwood. Why do you say that? Because when you live in the city, you no longer hear the sounds of car alarms. <laughs> <laughs> Although that? I like your logic. Wait, no, me. I was right. Uh, no, <laughs> no. It was Brooklyn, and this is the thing. You're mostly right about that, like not being able to hear car alarms, but I do. I do once in a while. I do. Um, That's funny. I, I appreciate your confidence, though, Dr. Ricky, going into that. And <laughs> I know. Um, but it but does what? sound like a Brentwood story. It really does. When she was oh, like, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. everybody has a ring doorbell by now. I'm like, what kind of lady? What are you talking about? That's what would have done it for me, the ring doorbell. Yeah, um, sure. But also, how do you disable your car alarm? I've got no idea how to do that. I don't know, because I don't have a car alarm. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought car alarms were kind of done with in the 90s. but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the last thing we're going to ask you to do, um, we have a little uh, apartment called Apartment 4E where we have a, a lady called Susan who we despise, and she keeps in there <laughs> everything that we also despise in the world and that we would like to get rid of. Um, things like coronavirus, um, racism, or uh, unripened avocados, or whatever it may be, that's what we sling into Apartment 4E every time we do one of these recordings. So I'm going to ask you to put something in Apartment 4E this week. Before Wait, we before he says something, oh. Dr. Ricky, please, can you take me out of Apartment 4E? Because David put me in there, and he has I no think power. completely wrong. Dr. Ricky has no power over that, I'm afraid. Yes, he does, because no. I'm the one. First of all, you're not the only one that has power over this apartment for E. You're tripping, okay? Both of us well, have well, sister, power. Sister Ford, oh. I think your job in the apartment for E is to organize the mess. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Both of y'all are traitors, okay? <laughs> all right, so, so my thing to put in apartment for E is puppies that bite. 
Oh, yes. Okay, tell us why. I'm excited because I know why. Be because the one thing that I uh, probably get most annoyed by right now <laughs> is uh, my puppy going into these rages where he thinks he's playing, but he's broken my skin uh, more okay. than once, and it's not a fun experience. And I want to beat him, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and what's his name? Toby. What, what kind of dog is Toby? Kobe. Kobe oh, is Kobe. After Kobe. So his, his full name is Kobe Bean, like Kobe Bean Bryant, and awesome. he is a giant schnauzer, and he is 11 weeks old. Wow, that's fun. And he's all black. He's just the. He's so cute. Yeah, that's, we'll have to have you on our podcast to talk about um, the film industry and so forth. And uh, please. And what, what's your podcast? Can you give us the name for the for listeners? Um, uh, it's it's uh, Health on the Rocks. Health on oh. the Rocks. Okay, and that's available you, in all the normal places. Yeah, can um, you plug it, please? So what I will do is I will I will send the information over. Um, so I don't want to plug it too much on your show because then you guys do such a fabulous job. No, no, we want you to. We yeah, have a we whole section, which is now for it. you to do that. We yeah. insist on it. Mm -hmm. So we, we do. So are we, we, are, we are on social media at, at DEA Health. Our podcast will be on uh, broadcast through like Instagram stories. Uh, we also have a website, bhec.bm. And we are on Facebook at Bermuda Health Care, but Bermuda Health Council on Facebook. So on Twitter and Instagram, it's at BDA Health, and Facebook it's Bermuda Health Council. Um, so you can look for, for look for our podcasts there, and any other kind of social media announcements and interesting stories that we'd like to post. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And, and this, as, as well as being interesting, this has been so informative. Um, and we're really grateful for your time. And, and, and also, just best of luck. And we're sending a lot of love and, and, uh, and, and good vibes you know, to, to Bermuda in this time. And yeah, same you guys. guys. Make sure to wash your hands for at least 20 seconds. Okay. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Ricky. All right, guys. So you heard Dr. Ricky's apartment for E. Um, mine is going to be an expression. I'm putting oh. an expression in a part oh. for you. And now I'm really curious. Okay. We've never had an expression before. <laughs> <laughs> so I get really annoyed when people continue to say, can you believe Donald Trump said? Can you believe <laughs> yes. what he yes. did? Yes, I can believe it. <laughs> I can believe it. <laughs> very, very easily, I can believe it. <laughs> Why is it that Donald Trump did? Like, I am going to put a surprise expression about how simple President Trump is in Apartment 4E because it really does a disservice to people. If you yeah. continue to be surprised by a person who has shown you a consistent pattern of being ignorant, prejudiced, racist, stupid, ill-informed, misinformed, untruthful, inflammatory, rude. Why, why <laughs> if somebody continues to show you who they are, as the late Dr. Maya Angelou said, you have to believe them the first time. So even if you didn't believe him on that apprentice show, he has given you three, three years. Yeah, I think it's three years of him being president. Three and a half. Of how he Pretty operates. Yeah. 
I, well, it's technically Jen. three because it was inaugurated in January. True. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So you cannot be surprised. Do yourself a service because it's raising people's blood pressures for no reason. I just don't understand why you, people would do that to themselves. So I'm doing everybody a service right now. And let me tell you this, David. When I watch these briefings every day from the president, somebody actually just, my cousin actually just asked me, he was like, why do you even watch those? I was like, you know what? Because it's the best counter reality TV for me. Yeah. I sit down <laughs> and I just eat my popcorn because I know everything he's going to say is just ridiculous. And then I yep. wait for the grown-ups to speak. I wait for the vice president Fauci. to speak. Yeah. I wait for Dr. Fauci to speak. Um, but they get the toddler out of the way. So... I know it's it's ridiculous. But tell us how you really feel, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, put your surprise at how simple the President Trump is in apartment forty. All right? I'm with you there. You can definitely still talk about it, but just don't be surprised by it. Exactly, it's, exactly, it's, David. Exactly. If it can, if it can get worse, it absolutely will. Yeah. You know, th there's no there's no it can't get any worse for this man. Correct. At all. Thank you. So. Um, all right. Well, that's a good one. I'll happily uh, shut the door on that one. Um, uh, for me this week, it's a little simple one. And I think that everyone is going to be able to get on board with this very easily. And it's bad phone signal or bad internet signal when you're trying to make a call. And especially right now, the amount of calls you're making to your friends and family, and it's a bad line, it keeps cutting out, especially if it's a work call, it can be so difficult. So I'm slinging it in there. Okay. It's gone. Bad phone signal gone. Very good. Um, I, I will say, though, that the fact that we can instantly video call pe with people on the other side of the planet, generally without too much issue, it absolutely still blows my mind that that's a reality. Like, how in the world does that signal shoot up to space like thousands and thousands of miles and back down again to exactly the right spot to not only not have a delay in conversation when it's a good signal, obviously, it's it's amazing and it fascinates me that someone has the brain power that can build technology like this and obviously it's not just one person it's many but still that's that's incredible it's so impressive isn't it remarkable it is so though i complain about it and put it in apartment 4e just know that i do absolutely am in awe of those the people who created such technology and i and i'm so grateful for it as well but you know just a little bit better <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And think about the internet in general, David. This is like a world. Somebody created oh. a whole world. Right. But I, I thought about that recently, funny enough. And think about it like this, like this, this, if you try and think about the size of the internet, right? Let's just say, if you can. Is you there can a think, size of the internet? Exactly. And, right, but it, and the thing is, so. let, let's think about the universe, right? You have all the different planets. And let's say Earth, for this example, is the English internet. Think how vast it is and how much material and information and websites and whatever it may be is available. That's like what we can fathom, what we could go to and look at and understand. And then you think of China's internet and then you think of India's internet and then you think of all these different countries and different continents and how much information there is in different languages that you just would never even contemplate as part of the internet, really, mm -hmm. in general. Like, it's so vast, and it, and, it, and it just grows and grows and grows and grows. Like, I just can't, I can't fathom it anymore. It's just too big. I know. It's amazing. I know. So, yeah, all right, okay. Um, so that's, that's two easy ones for apartment four, either. That's nice, okay. Yeah. Um, and now, all right, just before we finish up, I'm going to, um, 
talk of my lyrics. Um, but I'm actually cheating a little bit this week and I'm not going to give you lyrics, but it's only because this tune has no lyrics per se, but I love it so much and the story behind it. So I wanted to share because I thought you'd enjoy it as well. Okay. Um, do, do you know a guy called Duval Timothy? No. So he's, he's, uh, he's like a multidisciplinary artist. Um, he works and lives in between London and Sierra Leone, where his, his family are from. He's a painter. He produces music, a photographer, sculptor, like among several other outlets for creativity. Like he's a, he's a true Renaissance man, this guy. Um, and the work I wanted to highlight um, is, is a short album he did of four tunes called Two Sims. Uh, do you know what the Two Sims phrase references? No. Okay, this, you'll, you'll like this. I like it. It's, it's, a, like, it's a literal and metaphorical um, term, I guess. Um, so the two SIM phrase comes from a mobile phone with two SIM cards. Um, that's the literal of it. And, and it's used to describe people of mixed heritage, like dual nationality or multiple residences. They're referred to as two SIMs, which I, I love that term in general. Um, it's quite an interesting that? term. It's just literally the number two and the word SIM, like two SIM cards. That's it. So it's okay. two SIM. Um, so, so Duval was, was someone referred to him as a two-sim in a conversation they were having and it, and it expired, inspired him to explore the two-sim experience um, in contemporary West Africa and mainly Sierra Leone where he, his family are from and, and his, his roots are. Um, so this, it's a short four-tune album, as I say, and it's just it's beautiful. And, and what he, dealt, what he did, um, he used solo piano recordings, which obviously he did himself. And he mixed the, the recordings, the, the, the piano, with field recordings and interviews from about two months he spent deliberately in Sierra Leone, um, uh, in Freetown, with his family and friends and peers, and just did all these recordings. So in essence, it's kind of like a musical and verbal collage looking at highlighting the variations in culture. And it's, I just love it. I think it's so beautiful. Um, and my favorite of the four is called First Rain. Um, so it's Deval Timothy. And my favorite is First Rain. It's just, it really takes you through a journey. It's amazing. It's beautiful. So I'm just highly recommending you listen to that this week. Okay. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. What does um, it sound like? Uh, well, it sounds like piano and, and in the background. So, so the, the piano is playing throughout. And um, in the background, the recording is of children, like running around and playing, but with the rain going off outside as well. So you have this beautiful... Uh, like the the rain coming down with the piano playing and then the kids kind of laughing and, and joking and running around and playing and obviously in French, um, as you'd imagine. Um, it's it's really, really well done. It's it's mm. lovely. Yeah, it's okay. really nicely put together. So To Sim by Duval Timothy, that's D-U-V-A-L and uh, my favorite tune is First Rain. Okay, cool. All right, have you got anything else before we finish up? Just plugging. <laughs> love, a, love, love a plug. Um, yeah. Make sure that you, please, listeners, make sure that you review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Um, whatever platform you're listening to, you can listen to it on others, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as I said, Stitcher, Podbean all the good ones. Anchor, of course, Anchor is the one that actually hosts us. And I think I always forget to say them. Um, and then if, you know, you guys are interested in being a guest and you fit into our black and white theme this season, we would love to hear from you. So you feel free to DM us on Instagram um, at shooting the ish with a Brit or um, ish with a Brit on Twitter. 
Um, and that's all. Yep. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. And, um, and we'll speak to you next week. And thank you so much, Jen. All right. Later.